Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. If you want to stand, you can. We're going to read uh, God's word here, and then we'll pray. I'll pray, and then we'll get to work on looking at this passage. Colossians 3, 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we uh, ask for your help as we look at your word this morning. We pray, Father, that uh, you would teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would cultivate within our hearts a gratefulness for all that you are, for all that you've done. Father, that we might see your glory rightly and that we might respond uh, in faith. Father, help us not to sin against you in, in being ungrateful. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in the book of Colossians, four short chapters, you can be seated, four short chapters, and seven times Paul talks about thankfulness, all right? Um, I won't, I, listen, for sake of time, we're going to have to hustle, so I won't, I, let me just tell you what they are. Colossians 1, 3, 1, 12, 2, 7, and 4, 2, all talk about, in one way or another, abounding in thanks, thankfulness, being thankful, but what, what I want to focus on is the three verses we just read, because the interesting thing about those three verses, they come in, and you guys have been with me as we've been walking through chapter 3, a real sanctification-oriented chapter, and so in the middle of Paul helping us fight against our sin, the last two weeks we've been looking at forgiveness and compassion and bearing with one another, you know, really tough things. And in the midst of that, Paul closes this out with three rapid-fired commands to be thankful. Like it's not enough that he says the first time in verse 15, be thankful, but then he says in verse 16, your heart seemed to, you know, abound in thankfulness. And then in verse 17, again, be thankful. And so he, he's making a point. And what I want us to look at is what point is Paul making with this continual kind of referring back to having a grateful heart. Now, it's not going to make any sense if you if you think of, of thankfulness in kind of the American manners way. So a lot of times we, we think of thankfulness, we think of teaching our kids to be thankful in the sense of, you know, don't belt at the table, don't put your elbows on the table, and say thank you, you know, when someone gives you something. And it's almost like a courtesy type of thing. It is really not that in the Scriptures. I, I mean, it, it's more than that. That's a better way to say that. It's more than that in the Scriptures. In the Scriptures, it is really connected to faith. It is, it is a spiritual weapon to be used in the Christian life. Okay, so when Paul talks about it, it's not like, hey, be sure you're courteous. It's no, hey, this, this is crucial in whether or not you are trusting Jesus or not. Now, one of the interesting things about thankfulness is that Paul brings it up. It's central in the book of Romans when he talks about the nature of sin. So Romans 1 is all about what, what, what is sin and why do people sin. And to kind of summarize that for you, Romans 1 says we sin because we don't want God. We sin because we've seen the glory of God, we've seen the majesty of God, and, and because our hearts are sinful, we're like, eh, nah, I don't want it, you know? I'm not impressed with him. I'm not impressed with God. I'd rather have all these other things, all right? So that's kind of Romans 1 in a nutshell. Now, notice what he says here in verse 20 and 21 of Romans chapter 1. He says, 
for God's invisible attributes, he says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Now, let me summarize that verse for you real quick. Everybody in the entire world can walk outside, look around, and know that there is a God right? Like we don't need our Bibles to tell us that. We, we, look at, we look at a baby. We look at the human body. We look at nature. We look at the natural world. We look at the atmosphere. We look at the universe and we know, all right, there is a creator God who put all of this in motion, who has given us all of these things. We live not by our own authority, but by another authority. So Paul says everybody knows things about God just by nature, but what have we done with that? Well, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him, then real interesting, did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And he goes on to explain the consequences of sin. And so, so it's interesting to me that when Paul talks about kind of the, the very heart of our brokenness, like, like, what's wrong with us? Like, why, 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 what's wrong with us in our sin? The very heart of that is that we are the kind of people who see glory, who see the gifts and the, and the greatness of God, and we turn around and we're like, well, why didn't I get muffins this morning, you know? It was sure windy last night. No electricity? How am I supposed to live this way, right? I mean, we're that kind of people. We're the kind of people that can ignore the glorious gifts of God and be cranky about stuff. Paul says that's at the heart of our brokenness, that we don't acknowledge and, and, and honor God in his gifts and in his goodness and in his character and in his nature. And, and you know, we, we can see how that's offensive. I, I bet everybody in this room has had the experience of doing what they thought was a very sacrificial giving thing to someone, you know, that somebody really needed, and that person kind of blew it off. Like, they didn't, they didn't acknowledge it. They didn't think, hey, I, you, you, I'm sure lots of you are great people, but that, that burned you, didn't it? Like, like, it upset you. It's an offensive thing to do that. And the Bible says we have all done that to an almighty God. And what, whatever you've been neglected or overlooked for, listen, that's small change compared to what God has given you. So, so thankfulness is a big deal. If you've read your Old Testament, you, you know that uh, the story of the children of Israel. Man, they're slaves. They've got no hope in Egypt. Pharaoh's killing all the baby boys, you know. And God comes in there and through some pretty fantastic you know, miraculous plagues, delivers a nation of slaves out and heads them to the promised land. But if, if you remember that story, what, what happens? A whole lot of grumbling, right? A whole lot of unthankfulness, a whole lot of ingratitude, a whole lot of, well, yeah, we're, we're out and free and all, but all we got every day is manna. I mean, who wants that every day, you know? And the water's not coming quick enough, and Moses, he's not, he's not a great leader, you know, and it's, it's grumbling. And if you remember, it was at the heart of their unbelief that they were not acknowledging the goodness and the greatness of God. In fact, in, in the book of Psalms, when God describes what he wants from you listen to this offer to god a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the most high call upon me in the day of trouble and i will deliver you and you shall glorify me what, what's he say he wants he, a, a, a sacrifice of thankfulness 
I wish we had time. We do not have time. But if we, if we did, I'd love to, to talk about the, the particular nuances of, of thankfulness and temptation. Because that, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. Okay, when, when you are not thankful, you are wide open for temptation. Like, like you're very vulnerable to God for temptation. When you are very thankful, when your heart is just exploding uh, in, in just gratitude for all that God has done, you have this kind of natural protection around you from temptation, temptation to despair, temptation um, to, to sin, temptation to lust, temptation to greed, all, all those things. Um, let, let me just say, let, let's do one thing with that. Let, let's, let's talk about Genesis 3, okay? So here's what happens in Genesis 3, okay? So real quickly, uh, verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of that, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, and then everything fell apart, didn't it? And it's been falling apart since, all right? But what if, and, I, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to do this, but what if we rewrote Genesis 3? Wouldn't that be cool to rewrite that dude? And what if we rewrote it, and, and we rewrote it so that Eve, right at the moment of temptation, her heart was just exploding in gratefulness to God. You know how that conversation might have gone differently had, had that happened? So, so just picture, the serpent, he's going in there. What's he trying to do? He's trying to make God look bad, right? He's trying to make God look like, man, he, he, he won't let you do all that. Oh, man, he's keeping something from you, you know? He knows that if you eat of that one tree, man, you'll, you'll have it made, right? That's, he's trying to make God look like he's, he's, a, he's an ogre. He's, 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 not, he's not giving. He's not generous, but what if, what if Eve, as the serpent approaches her, and the, and the devil says, uh, or the serpent says to Eve, hey, you can't eat of any of these trees of the garden? What if right then her heart is so exploding with gratitude, she gives him a little tour, right? What if she's like, oh, no, 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 that's not true. Come here. Look at this tree right here. Man, this fruit is so fantastic. We eat this every morning on our cereal, you know? And how about this one? Come here, serpent. You know, you got to crawl up in this one because this fruit here, Adam, he slices it up, grills it, little olive oil. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, come, come on, come on, come on over here. You know, he's trying to get a word in. He can't, you know? He says, hey, look at this one, man. We picked this one. We once a week, we have a barbecue, have all the elephants over. Man, they love this, you know. Hey, come over here, this one here. And then she starts talking about Adam. Man, she's like, man, God has given me the best husband ever. He is so dreamy, such a hunk, man. He's just so good to me, and we've never had a quarrel, never had a fight. And God himself, he comes down in the cool of the evening, walks with us, has comfort. He is awesome, thrills my soul every evening. What if she goes on and on? What happens? She's got a natural protection against the devil trying to make God out to be bad right so so gratitude thankfulness is is crucially and vitally linked to faith it's what we believe about god so with that in mind i want us to real quickly look at colossians chapter 3 these three verses why would Paul say, you know, be thankful three different times in three different verses? Just bam, bam, bam. Why does he do that? So we're going to look at the particular nuances of each verse very quickly. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some, maybe some practical things about cultivating gratitude in your hearts. All right. So first of all, verse 15, 
He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And then there's this command that evidently has a whole bunch to do with letting the peace of God rule in your hearts and be thankful and be thankful. Okay, so let's talk about that command. First of all, what is the peace of God and how does it rule in our hearts? All right, so you can answer that in three ways, actually. So I think this is important to do, so let's do this. So the peace of, God, peace of Christ could be our peace with God purchased by Christ, right? So the peace of Christ is the fact that we have peace with God. Now, now I say that that very well could be, you know, what Paul is talking about because in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, he says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, verse 20, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Then he goes on in the next verse and says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind. That was us, right? We were, we were offensive to God by our very nature. Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So what Paul is saying there in Colossians 1, what Jesus did on the cross made peace between us and God, right? Hey, are you happy about that today, by the way? A little bit? Okay. All right. So uh, you ought to be if, if you're a believer. Now, if, if you're not a believer, then you don't have anything to be happy about with, with that. But if you are a believer, yeah, you, you were at odds with God. His wrath was coming upon you. And by no goodness of your own, God, in His grace, sent Jesus to live the perfect life and to die a substitutionary death on the cross on your behalf that you might have peace with God. Right? So, like, you got peace with Him. Like, there's, no, there's nothing between you. When he sees you, he sees the righteousness of his own son, Jesus. That's good news, right? So we've got the peace between us and God. But also in the Bible, when it talks about the peace of God or the peace of Christ, it also talks about kind of an inner okayness, an inner tranquility, an inner, in the Old Testament, they would have called it like shalom. It means you're not stressed out. Any of you stressed out today? Okay, there's a, there's a peace of God that, that overcomes that anxiety, that stress, right? So back up just a little bit in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. It's the book right before Colossians. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Isn't this interesting? Look at it. With thanksgiving. See that right there? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? Verse 7. And the peace of God which sur surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, so sometimes when the Bible talks about the peace of God, it's talking about, hey, you and I, we, our stress has gone down. Our anxiety has, has disappeared. Our, our frustration, you know why? Because, because we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The third way that the Bible talks about the peace of God is peace between us, right? So when the Bible talks about the peace of Christ, it could be talking about that me and Haddon, we're at peace because of what Christ has done on the cross. Me and Fred, there's no, there's no animosity between us because of what Christ has done on the cross. Now, that's in Ephesians, all right? So if we go two books back, in Ephesians chapter 2, and this is kind of a long passage, so I'm going to read just a brief portion of it. But in verse uh, 13, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, two very different people groups. And he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our, you see it? He's our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. All right, so review. 
When he talks about the peace of Christ, he could be talking about our peace with God, purchased by Christ, our peace in our heart because of what Christ has done, or our peace with one another that is a result of the work of the cross on our behalf. Now, which does Paul mean in verse 15? Here's what I would tell you. He means all of them, all right? Because how are you going to divide those? How, how can you have one without the other? So, so think about it. If I don't have peace with God, then I sure don't have the other peace, right? I, don't have a, I shouldn't have peace in my heart. Listen, if you're here today and, and you don't know Christ is your king, he's not your savior, and you're not joined to him, then you should not be at peace. In fact, you should be worried. You should be scared. You should be fearful. You should be tore up on the inside. You should be in knots because the wrath of God is going to come upon you and you have no hope without Jesus, right? And so, so the peace of God is what enables us to have peace in our hearts. And then how about the peace with one another? Well, you can't separate it from the other two either. You remember what Paul's been talking to us about the last couple weeks? He's been talking to us about our relationships with one another. Two weeks ago, he talked about, but you must put, up, put away, this is verse 8 in chapter 3, same, same chapter we're in, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, don't lie to one another. He's talking about, hey, as believers, when you put on the new man, you stop being angry with each other. You, you get over that quick. You, you, you stop talking, you stop lying to each other. Last week, even harder, remember verse 12? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Man, that's a tough one, isn't it? Remember how we talked last week? Some of us, we, we just, we get offended way too much, right? Because of what Christ has done on the cross, because of the Holy Spirit, we ought to just not, we ought to not get offended. And, and when we do get offended, we ought to forgive quickly. So that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Well, you know what? You can't do any of that unless you have peace with God. I mean, that's the point of chapter 3. How are you going to do that without the Holy Spirit? How are you going to do that without Christ's power and, and truth in your life? Well, you can't, right? So all three of those, peace with God, peace in my heart, and peace with one another are vitally connected. You can't, you can't tear them apart. So Paul means, I think, all of those things. But I think primarily in this particular verse, he's talking about peace with one another. Let me ask you a question. Why when he says, okay, that, that God's peace should rule over your relationships, all right? I think we know that's what he's talking about because in verse 15 he says, um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts into which you were called into one body, right? That's the body of Christ. That's us collectively. And wh Why does he need to say and be thankful? Well, here's why. Because it's really hard, isn't it? Isn't it really hard to do what we talked about last week, to not get offended, you know? People are cranky with you, irritable, irritating isn't it, isn't it kind of hard to not be offended to bear with them and then when they really hurt you isn't it hard to forgive as christ has forgiven you those those things are tough right and i gotta believe that there's some of you who left here last week and you were like man i don't know that's tough stuff hey good news today here's a tool that's going to help you live that out and, and it's the tool that Paul gives us here at the end of this verse, okay? So when he says, the peace of Christ ought to rule over your hearts, and then he says, and be thankful. He doesn't say be thankful just to be polite. He's not saying that just, well, I don't know what else to say, so I'm going to say be thankful. He says that because being at peace with one another, the peace of God ruling over our fellowship, ruling over your family, you're not going to pull that off unless you learn to be thankful, particularly for one another. 
How many times this week, no, let's go this morning. How many times this morning were you actively thankful for the people in your life? You were like, well, no, you know, we didn't have electricity. I had to air dry my hair, you know. You had to get out on the highway at 80 and, you know, stick your head out. You know, your husband was driving. You had to pet the top down. It's the only way you got bloated. You were busy, right? Well, okay, how about, how about yesterday? Did you spend some time in your prayer life being thankful for one another? I, I just, what I find is that we don't do that very well. Paul did that really well. Would you bear with me? I, I know we're running a little behind today, but bear with me with a whole bunch of Scripture, okay? You don't even try to follow. We're just going gonna to run fast here, okay? But I'm going to go through most of Paul's epistles. These were written to churches. A lot of them were really problem churches, problem people, okay? Listen to how he talks to all of them, okay? Colossians 1, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we, and then he describes why he's thankful. Go back one book, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all of you making prayer with joy. And then he tells why he's thankful for them. Go back another book, Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Go back a couple books to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Go back another book to Romans, Romans chapter 1, um, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith that's proclaimed in all the world. All right, now go the other way from Colossians. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter... Oh, I lost my place. I was going real good there. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right because of your faith is growing abundantly. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, verse uh, 1. First of all, then, I urge that my that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. All right? Being thankful for all people. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers. Day and night, let's go to the last book of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, Philemon. And in chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 4. He says, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers. Whew. All right. So did Paul do this? Yeah, he kind of did, didn't he? Right? A lot. Why, 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 is that, why is that such a big deal? Because Paul knows in order for the peace of Christ to rule over us, over your family, you, you need to learn to cultivate thankfulness for the people in your life. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, there's nothing to be thankful for, Pastor. You don't know my family. They're terrible. Okay, let's talk about that. First of all, are they believers? Okay, if they're believers, man, you can spend the rest of your life just being thankful for what God and Christ has accomplished in them, right? So if, if you have a believing spouse, hey, they may not pick up their laundry. Hey, they may be, you know, a Dorito guy in the couch. Hey, they may have some things. They may belt at the table and not say thank you. I don't know. They may have a lot of that stuff. But if they're connected to Jesus Christ, you've got a wealth of things that you ought continually be thankful for. The righteousness of Christ in them, the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, their hope of salvation, the fruit of the Spirit that you see in their lives, their contribution to the body of Christ and to your family. Man, think about how would your relationships change if every time you thought of your family or of anybody, you first moved toward thankfulness before you got things done. That's what Paul does in every epistle. 
Okay, every, every one he writes, before he gets to the issue, before he gets to what's wrong in the church, before he gets to what scolding he has to do, what does he do? He thanks God for them, and he's specific for this, for what I saw in you, for what I witnessed in you, for what's happening in you, for what God's doing in you. Man, why shouldn't we do that? You know what I found? We are super good at the other. So, so you, you don't even have to try to think of your spouse's faults. I bet this has never happened. I bet you've never gotten in a fight with your spouse. Like, like you know, you came in and there was something and just boom, you know, it escalated right quick. I bet you never have to say, hey, wait, 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 stop. I'm going to go over here for five minutes. I'm going to think about all the bad things about you so I can say it. And then we'll, we'll continue this, all right? You know, you don't have to do that. You're like Wyatt Earp, you know. You're like Doc Holliday, you know. The fight breaks out, whew, you're right there, you know. You did this, you did this, you did this. You always, you always, you always, you know. And you're, but you don't have to think about it. They're just coming, boom, 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 boom. Thankfulness, it's not like that. You have to cultivate that. That's why Paul's got to tell you three different times in three different verses to be thankful. Because you have to cultivate learning to thank God for the people in your life. But I'm telling you, this will transform your family. Man, does your family do this? Have you ever, you ever sat down at the table? We do this. It's kind of fun. All right, everybody's gonna, we're going to go to the right or to the left, whatever. I want you to say something you're thankful for about your brother or sister. Now, I will admit, sometimes there's some joking going on. Hadden, you know, but eventually we get down to the serious. Even when it's forced like that, you'd be amazed at how redemptive that is. All right, so peace of God ruling through thankfulness. All right, let's, let's go. We got, we got to go quick, 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 quick. All right, verse 16. Listen quick, and I'll talk quick. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We're going to talk about this next week, by the way. We'll come back to verse 16. Teaching and admonishing one another, not just me to you, but one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. Why is he at it? Why does he have to come back to it again? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right, now, I'll give you a preview of next week's sermon. All right, if, if the word of Christ, if, if, if the truths about Christ, if they're dwelling in you, you know what's going to happen? They're going to come out of you, Right? They're going to come out in teaching and admonishing one another. They're going to come out in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay? But let's, let's, let's real quickly deal with, what if they're not coming out? Like, what if you know that that's true and once in a while you force yourself? But honestly, it's just not natural. Like, you just don't talk about Jesus naturally. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't share, you don't sing naturally. Like, when you come here, you know, Bonnie's up here trying to get you to sing and it's hard, it's hard on you. Why is that? A couple reasons. We may, we may deal with more reasons next week. But let me, let me tell you one that I want to get to right quick. And I think it's why Paul brings thankfulness in here. Is because if there's not thankfulness in your heart, then you, you will not be very good at sharing truth. You'll not do that naturally. You'll not be in the break room tomorrow at work, at Memorial Day. You'll not be in the break room Tuesday at work. You know, and, and, and you'll, not, you'll not say, hey, you wouldn't believe what I read in James 3 today. You, you, you won't do that. You know why you won't do that? Because there is no thankfulness going on. Here's my definition of thankfulness. This, you're not going to find this in any books. I don't think you will anyway. Because uh, it's probably not you know, the best Greek exegesis. Okay? But, but I think it's a good definition. I think what thankfulness is, is it's a mini party going on in your heart. Right? 
mini celebration, a little, a little celebration. I, I think that's what thankfulness is. Whenever you're thankful for what God's done, there's a little, there's a little woo, zzz, you know, going on in, in your heart over God. You're like, wow, God, that's so good, man. When that is absent, here's, here's my experience. People don't talk about Jesus. They don't sing well. You might sing because you kind of have to or you feel like you don't want to disappoint Bonnie. But there's no, there's no song inside. Now, if there's no song, if there's no mini party going on, isn't there something wrong with that? Like, let's, let's, let's think about that for a second. That, that's troubling, isn't it? The gospel is stunning. It's It's captivating. It's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It, is it not? It is. I, I mean, the fact that God stepped out of the heavens into human flesh and then lived 33 years displaying His glory. Dead people came out of the grave alive. Not zombie alive, but like more alive than they were before. The blind people saw for the first time. Deaf people heard music for the first time. The poor heard the good news. People were fed miraculously. Nature was held back at bay. Glorious stuff. And then Jesus goes to the cross to bear your filth. Man, the worst thing that in your heart you'd never want anybody to know about you Jesus came to take that away. Like, take it away. And he rose, rises from the dead. Now listen, if there's not a little mini celebration going on in your heart over the gospel, you, you just won't, you won't do 16. You, you won't, you won't share, you won't speak, you won't sing, you won't, because you're lacking what Paul tells you has got to be going on there with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, thankfulness is that spark that brings that stuff alive. All right, thirdly, real quickly, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is one of those verses, we, we find them a bunch in the New Testament. Kind of this overarching verse. Basically it says, hey, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 is what I think of. You know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. It means all of life. Like, like Christianity is not like, okay, we're going to church. We're going to go do our Christianity. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's everything. Work, play, parenting, marriage, friendship, money, spending, borrowing, giving, serving, recreation, coaching, yard maintenance, card club, deer hunting, mountain climbing, garage sailing, book reading, ranching, farming, exercise, 5Ks, marathons, DQ blizzards for some of us that don't run marathons, all right? Protein, it's all of that. It's all of it. And in all of it, you're supposed to do all of that. You see it? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Meaning, consistent with his character, consistent with who he is. Does that make sense? Let me give you an illustration. I was talking to the kids about we're going we're gonna to go try to do something for on Win, Winnie's grave, um, you know, decorate it a little bit or something. We try to do that. She's really special to us. She kind of adopted us as her family um, when we didn't have any family here. And so we, we try to honor that. And she was just such a cool lady for us. But I was thinking, if we're going to do something in Winnie's name, what would we do? And here's what I come up with. 
we'd have pickles and we're going to cut them really thin so everybody just gets a little slice. We're going to give Snickers five times the amount of food that she would normally get, our little dog, okay? And then at some point during the day, when somebody asks for a snack or something, we're going to say, this ain't no restaurant, right? <laughs> that's what we, oh, and, and maybe sing, he touched me. You know, that's what I, I still, y'all asked me to sing, I should have sang that. He touched me, oh, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, she always sang that song. What, what are we doing? You guys, you instinctively know what I mean there, right? And the name means consistent with who she was, right? And so, so what, what Paul is saying here is, you're going to do everything consistent with who Jesus is. Now, when we start thinking about mowing my lawn to the glory of God, when we start thinking about going to work to the glory of God, consistent with Jesus' name, like he would do it, overwhelming, right? There we go again, overwhelming. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do it? Here's your, here's your weapon. Pick up your tool, man. Here it is. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, what, what does thankfulness do? Thankfulness is, is the means by which we are full. You get that? It's the means by which we, we, we're full. We, we're, we're cel- we celebrate the greatness of God. You know, there's, there's verses in your Bible that say, these are hard. Man, Ephesians 5, 20, give thanks always and for everything. Whew. Tough. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all things, everything, whatever you do. You ought to be thankful. Okay, honesty check here. There's, there's days where I can't see anything here to be thankful for, right? I'll just tell you the truth. When I was driving around town at 5 in this morning, you know, after trying to get Colt to bed for hours, I was having a hard time, you know, with my... But you know what I did? I connected this to what we've been connecting it to every week, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. What does that say? You got to push your eyes up. You got you to you push your vision. You got to stop looking at all this down here because it's broke. And you got to lift your eyes. Remember? Set your eyes on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not things on the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, so even on the worst day, even on the most tragic day of your life, is it, is it not still true that God in Christ has made you righteous, that God in Christ has forgiven you of your sin, that God in Christ has saved you from hell, that God in Christ has redeemed you, that you have a hope of a new heavens and a new earth where all things are made new. All those things are true, even on the worst day. That's the fuel by which we do everything for Christ's name. Now, real quick, let me give you three practical exhortations, okay? So how do we stir up thankfulness in our hearts how do do we pull this off okay number one we got to be intentional about looking for the glory of god have you you ever known folks that are super intentional about looking for the bad you know it's fun to try to encourage those people yeah yeah, you got some of them in your life i know you do they'd be great mma people because they can block like nobody's business you know so like you know you'll go up to me you got hey i heard you got a new job yeah i gotta work late yeah but but like it's more money and stuff right yeah, the government takes it in taxes, you know. Well, but like you, you don't have to be there early, do you? Yeah, I still wake up early, though. Yeah, it's like, yeah, nothing, you know. I mean, like you can't get in. Like, they're blocking them all. You can't make this good. No, you know. You got to not be that person. You got to be the other way around. You, you got to wake up 
and look for the glory of God. And listen, you don't, it's not like you got to hunt for it. Dude, I, I mean, I see it now. You see that blue sky out there? Do you see that 80 degrees? There's, there's glory all around us. Little baby, I saw that little baby sleeping back there. Did you guys see that little baby? Is, is there not glory there? Man, if you, if you don't see glory there, what, what's wrong with you? Look for it. You, you, you know that the Hebrews were much better at this than us. And you, you ever read your book of Psalms? Thankfulness, thankfulness, thankfulness. I mean, it's just everywhere. You can't read very far without being commanded to be thankful. Let me read you Psalm 9.1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will recount. That's, that's one of the ways that they stayed thankful. Telling the story. Telling the story. Man, I, do, you, do you tell God's story? Man, it's so good to have little kids. I, I love to tell my kids stories. I was, Colt lost his toad. He's broken hearted. If, if one of you finds a toad, call me. Uh, we got to get another one. But he lost his and he's so broken. And so like I was out trying to catch him one the other day when I was mountain bike riding and I found a frog. He's huge, you know, and he got away from me. But, you know, okay, that's the short version. But I can tell that story in a way where his eyes are like this, you know, because I'm like describing the frog's muscles, you know, as pow, you know, into the air, you know, it's ribbit, ribbit, you know, and I'm trying to get him, you know, I mean, you know, you can, man, the same way with Bible stories, I, I, just, I love to tell my kids Bible stories, I mean, because there's some, there's some awesome ones, you know, David and Goliath, you know, you got to build the guy up, you know, there he goes down, the rock, right, Recount his glorious deeds. Man, if you're a grandma and grandpa and you don't tell your grandkids God's stories, why aren't you doing that? Man, your privilege. Tell him. Recount his deeds. All right, so number one, be intentional. Be intentional. Number two, be theologically accurate about what we deserve. Okay, here's where we get messed up. When, when, we, when we start thinking that we deserve what we don't deserve, then thankfulness gets all out of whack. So can we all just be biblical here and let's just remind ourselves, what is it exactly that Jason Dirks and the rest of you deserve? Death and hell, right? That's, that's what, what have we earned? What have we re worked really hard to get? Death and hell. And I'm not gonna get that. Like I'm not. I'm not going to go there, ever. And not only am I not going to go there, but Jesus backed up his truck of blessing and dumped it into my lap. Glorious blessings and riches forever and ever. So, number two, let's be theological, ac theologically accurate about what we deserve. Number three, this is real practical. Visit the suffering, the impoverished, and the broken. You know, there's just a lot of times where we need perspective. Don't you just sometimes need perspective, you know? If, if your buddy has like a $100,000 vehicle and you're riding around with him all the time, well, no wonder your 50000 one, you know, seems like, you know, it's a junker, you know? It's not a junker, you know? You're like, well, I don't have the rocket booster assist like he does, you know? No parachute on mine. That's, you got a perspective problem. So, so here's the deal. Like if you were griping when you were, Walking around your yard this morning, picking up limbs from the storm. 
You know what you need to do? You need to visit somebody that can't get out of bed. You, you need to go to their house and you need to stand by their bed with the oxygen tubes and, the, and, 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 you, and you need to realize what a gift it is to get up and move. You know, if, if, if you're not thankful, you know, when your, your toilet doesn't flush, one of your three that you have in your house and Jeff Wales doesn't answer his phone on Sunday morning at 7, you know, you need to go somewhere where there aren't toilets. There's a lot of places in the world where they don't have them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just good to get perspective. You know, if, if, if you're not thankful when, you know, you got to wait in line at Walgreens at the pharmacy or you go to the doctor's office and it's 45 minutes before you get in, you, you need to be around people that don't have access to health care. If you're a little miffed when the pastor calls a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, you know, because we're busy, we worked all day. Man, you need, you need to Skype. I can arrange this. You need to Skype with Pastor Vigiscar. You need to talk to a guy who spent 52 days in jail because he was at a prayer meeting. You need that. I got a, I got a picture on my computer that, man, it, it is so good for my soul. It's of a little boy in India um, in a village that I could not tell you the name way back in the region of Barachalam. I know it was there. Um, and this little guy, I think I've told, him, told you about him before. I may have even showed you a picture. I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's a meaningful picture to me. But his mom and dad brought him to us to pray over him. We did. And the um, little boy was in agony. Um, he had some sort of skin disease that caused him to have weeping sores all over his body. And uh, he's just like in a constant state of kind of bleeding. Mom and dad had him dressed up in a really cute little outfit. The best hat had his, I remember his hair, his hair was really thin, but they had it combed very nice. I mean, you could tell the, the little dude was loved, you know. But here's the thing that just grabbed hold of me, you know. That's my baby. We're going to Children's Hospital today. We're, we're going to the Mayo Clinic. We're going, we're going to keep going until somebody finds some help. There was none of that for them. That, that's, not, that's not an option. And the picture that I have is of him. He's sitting cross-legged, and he's with the other little boys and girls in the front row there, and they're worshiping. When they worship, it's, it's fantastic. They got, they got the mini celebration going on in their hearts. They do not understand us, by the way. We're a mystery to them. You know, when, whenever those guys come here, they're like, I don't know what's wrong with your people. Are they not happy about this Jesus thing? Do they not understand heaven? Pastor, are you not teaching them? What's wrong? You know? This little boy, he got his hands lifted up. You can see the sores. He's got his hands lifted up in praise. He still has a distressed look on his face. He's in pain. Man, that gives me perspective, though. You know? I mean, it's just, it's just a, that's what it is. It's, it's a perspective for me. Whenever I, I start complaining about my stuff, I think of that little guy. And I think about his hands raised up. And it helps me. Man, don't be an ungrateful people, Lincoln Avenue. Don't be that. That is offensive to God. Cultivate it in your life. 
Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. God, you're, you're so, I don't know why you've been so good, Father, and I don't know why you would pick us. I don't know why you would save us. I don't know why you would show us such mercy. I don't know why you would stretch out in front of us this incredible plan of a new heavens and a new earth. God, I don't know why you would do any of that. But I'm so thankful that you did. And God, I'm so thankful for the, the people that you put in my life. I'm thankful, Father, for saints that have encouraged me and blessed me and st- stayed with me. God, we are thankful for family and friendships. God, we have, we have so much, God, to, to turn and honor you with. You are good. Father, help us to cultivate that in our souls. In Jesus' name.